I like to be contrarian. I like to be hopeful. Obviously, as a mortgage person, I think that a 25 basis point rate cut isn't really going to help the poor, people with credit card debt, or they're trying to find a used car loan, or a personal loan, or student loan debt. So to have an impact, a 50 basis point rate cut uh, would be more impactful. Get ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Well, it is midnight, and this is take three because my stupid internet signal because of all the rain had terrible audio. So I hope this one goes through. All right, lots going on. I want to say something uh, about Dave Stevens. It was a nice a tribute to him over the weekend. And we're going to talk about the top 10 Ginny Mae issuers, uh, nine of which are independent mortgage bankers. We'll recap the jobs report from last week. And the single biggest day uh, in a year of mortgage rates going up in one day last week with some follow through today, by the way. And we'll get into what you know Fed Chair Powell's saying and re- Treasury refunding and a little bit of this and that. All right. So uh, Dave Stevens was the FHA commissioner and the president and CEO of the Mortgage Banker Association. And I got to think as the FHA commissioner uh, in 08 um, that he would be smiling uh, down upon us right now from up above uh, when he saw this MBA chart of the week, the Mortgage Banker Association. You go to mba.org, they have a newsroom, they've got great data there. Um, they put out a chart of the week that showed that nine of the top 10 Ginnie Mae issuers are non-banks. We're a non-bank, independent mortgage bankers, IMBs. And I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, FHA, VA, and USDA loans are securitized into Ginny Mae, mortgage-backed securities. Ginny Mae is a GSC. Got Fannie Mae, Freddie, Mae, uh, Freddie Mac, and uh, Ginny Mae. And Ginny does your government loans. And so, uh, you know, we're serving the underserved with FHA, VA, and USDA loans. And I'm not talking about streamlines and easy-peasy refis. It's about the hard credit stuff. You know, a little history lesson for those that don't know. Um, the False Claims Act was used by our government to go after lenders. And like 20 plus lenders in a row got fined millions of dollars. And a lot of banks, depository banks, said, okay, fine. We're not going to expand our footprint. We're not going to lend. We're not going to do these loans because the government's going to turn around and sue us. You know, then, you know, we're going to pull out. And you know who stepped in and did that void? Independent mortgage bankers. And nine of the top 10 Ginny Mae issuers are IMBs. And I think that's a good thing where, you know, these lenders stepped up. And so, um, again, I, I think that's, uh, you know, it shows growth. I think in 2023, something like 60% of all Ginny Mae originations came from non-depositories. And um, I think about in the, the final numbers for 22 is like 19 or 20% of all originations were, um, were FHA and VA. And then of that, 60% were from IMB. So, um, and that's been growing over the years. So I uh, think it's fantastic information. And uh, again, not, uh, I know Dave is smiling uh, uh, from above and a warm and touching tribute that was given to him over the weekend. Um, you could see it all over LinkedIn. Okay, so Chair Powell spoke on 60 Minutes yesterday and, um, you know, didn't really hear much about the 175, you know, strikes that the U.S. Um, uh, carried out in Syria and Iraq and then in Yemen over the weekend, surgical strikes. I mean, 
that was our response to having three of our servicemen killed. Um, and, um, and so we, we let, we let them know. So, um, all these Iranian proxy militant groups, um, were, were attacked. And I mean, the U S military showed its might and said, this is just the beginning. So these are the kind of events, pandemics, world wars, conflicts, skirmishes, things that come out of nowhere, uh, that cause flight to safety, the flow of money coming into bonds and bring yields down. So last week, jobs report was a surprise to the upside, the headline number. So yields spiked up, interest rates went up, uh, and it's a new week with new set of problems and new things going on and more data coming in. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, so the jobs report was, the headline number was strong, about double. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to like find a way to see, you know, uh, what I think we all hope for, which is lower rates, I'm trying to be realistic. But every January, there are population control numbers um, and adjustments um, that are made in the January Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs report. And so between now and the March 20th Fed meeting and then the May 1st meeting, um, which, by the way, that May 1st meeting is uh, yeah, that's, that's a Wednesday, right? It's like a Tuesday, Wednesday. So April 30th, May 1st, I believe is a Wednesday. And then two days later, um, is the May jobs report for April data, which you got to think the Fed's going to see what's going on. So come that May 1st meeting, there'll be April, March, February jobs data. Will mark will the jobs market continue to soften? Okay, so there's pros and cons in there, right? So um, Q1's typically a, a kind of a cold, slower time in our economy. So we'll see some GDP reads coming out in April before the May meeting to see whether our economy is growing or slowing. If it's below 2%, then it's it's below trend growth. 2% is on par. So we'll see what that looks like. In addition to all these jobs data uh, reports, we did see last Friday on the BLS jobs report that the work week shrunk. That is a sign of pooling labor. Um, the productivity increased, which is what happens you know, when teammates get let go. Everyone that's left over works their butts off, right? Because um, they don't want to get let go. Um, those are signs of uh, a cooling labor market. But wage inflation went up. That's a hotter labor market. ADP report last week, um, only 107,000 jobs uh, gained versus like 155,000 estimate. That's cooling. And that's white collar jobs. Jobless claims, the highest they've been. New jobless claims, that report comes out every Thursday. The highest had been since August, cooling. So we got their ups and downs, right? Um, but the bond market uh, uh, reacted by spiking up but not above the range that we've been trading in for the last 30 days, if you will. Um, and there was some follow through today. So the 10 year seems to be in this nice little bracket. Um, you know, let's call it 380 to 430, somewhere in there. So rates are kind of bouncing around on there, waiting for more data to come out. What other data is coming out today? I heard someone put it pretty cool way. You know, we talk about, you know, stocks and bonds, right? There's money flowing every day, right? I, I talk about the steam all the time. Um, well, the flow of money, was a way that I heard. So um, personal note, um, I have some money uh, with Carrera Capital, um, uh, Keith Nickel. Uh, he's here on uh, LinkedIn. You can take a look at um, him. A great financial advisor. Uh, Jake Roscoe's on his team too. Jake had a video out that talked about the flow of money. And the flow of money out of stocks, if we think the stock market's peaked, 
right? And there's not a lot of gains you can get out of it because all these gains have been gotten. Well, the money's going to flow into bonds, right? Because you can get your guaranteed four and a half, five percent, you know, gain um, over the next, you know, year or two. Um, just so you know, I'm not a financial advisor, although those guys are my financial advisors. I'm not responsible for uh, your losses, only your profits. Did you know that from the time when the Fed stops raising rates to the time that they first cut, that's actually a very good year for, uh, time period for the stock market. And that average time is about eight months. Um, a, a market that gains all-time highs, which we just got on the S&P 500, um, it's been a couple of years since we touched an all-time high. And now when it's been more than 12 months and then a new all-time high is reached, that next 12 months is pretty good. Election year, stock market performs pretty, pretty well. So lots of stuff going on. The flip side, if the Fed is cutting rates, which they could do as soon as May, uh, maybe they wait a little bit later into June or July, but it's because things are slowing. Or in this case, they feel inflation um, has slowed enough to where they can incrementally cut. Typically, when the Fed cuts, the, the, the highly restrictive or sufficiently restrictive rates that they've had going for eight months or more is hurting the economy and slowing it down. So typically, if it's slowing down growth, then at that point, once the cuts start, stock market gets a little dicey because, you know, you're having slower growth. So lots of things to consider. Um, speaking of flow of money, $121 billion in um, uh, new treasury issuance this week. Remember from the treasury refunding uh, announcement uh, last week? We got three-year, 10-year, and 30-year brand new notes being issued by the Department of Treasury this week. So how will the flow of money of that? Will it bring the yield a little bit back down, bring some calmness to the market? All the Fed speakers are speaking this week. They'll probably get everyone all fired up again. Uh, earnings are coming out. How you doing on earnings, by the way? Uh, did you know that Meta went up like 20% of stock in one day? I mean, it's it's unbelievable what's going on with some of these stocks. Uh, NVIDIA is rising. Again, I'm not a financial advisor, but it's great to see some of these world-class businesses um, create some great shareholder value. Anyway, have a fantastic week. We are just about to kick off spring purchase season here. In the midst of our atmospheric river that we're getting in brain here, I want my money back on my California property. Cheers. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. 7.30 on a Thursday, and I'm late to a dinner with the good folks over there, James, Dean, and MGIC, and my partner, Gary. So, when you watch this, I'll be in the car on the way. Uh, we are wrapping up uh, another week. We're going into Super Bowl weekend. And in case you didn't uh, hit home, didn't hit home for you why we do what we do, putting someone in a home in January and early February gives them the chance to watch the Super Bowl from their new place, right? So, I don't know if it's warm enough where they're at to uh, have a barbecue in the backyard, but hang that TV on the wall, invite friends over to your new pad. That's a pretty cool thing. It's a pretty special time. It's 115 million people watching that. So, uh, great event. I don't really have a dog in the hunt as a Cowboys fan. Um, you see over here, uh, you know, we have five rings. So, San Francisco 49ers. So, I guess I kind of hope they lose. Um, I like Patrick Mahomes from Texas, but who cares what I think? Let's get to the data. So, uh, what's the Fed up to? We're data dependent. We're talking about data. I'm also going to talk about the stock market. And I'm not responsible for your losses, only your profits. There's some things to say in this data-dependent world that we're in where everyone's hanging on every bated breath of report to see what the market's going to do, every 
uh, interview with the Fed, every single inflation or jobs report or whatever else is coming out, which by the way, we have a big CPI report coming out next week. That is going to be interesting. And of course, Valentine's Day. Um, in addition to our sales rallies next Thursday and Friday here at PRMG. So very eventful week next week. Um, so, so the jobs report last Friday has a lot of people talking about it still here on Thursday. And, um, you know, it's been almost a week, right? A bunch of Fed speak talk. And so that's the last big number. And it was a surprise to the upside. And I'm not going to sit here and try to poke holes in it because, it, you know, there, and you can, by the way. But remember, generally with high interest rates, which is what the Fed has used, a blunt tool uh, to bring down demand and bring down inflation, they have used that tool. It does have an impact. And there are ups and downs every month. A January jobs report where there's population control numbers and you know yearly adjustments and whatnot, there's a lot of stuff going on. But under the hood, uh, we know that higher interest rates hurts everybody. It's not, it's not good for anybody. Um, maybe the banks on net interest uh, income, right? Uh, but, you know, uh, if you look at what happened in that jobs report, there are part-time jobs growing and there are full-time jobs shrinking. Now, every year people talk about the U6 unemployment number. If you haven't heard of that, well, let me explain it to you. Um, I remember like really it being a big deal, uh, you know, during uh, President Obama's re-election. Well, now we have President Biden's re-election. So you're going to hear it talked about a whole lot. I just had the thought because um, I saw a report that said that the real, you know, they start saying the real unemployment, right? Look, there are different reports, right? The one we got last Friday, the U3 report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics is for people that are actively looking for jobs. The U6 number is people who have fallen out, stopped looking for jobs. They're discouraged. They've left the workforce. They're no longer there. They didn't die, though. They're out there. They're part of our society and, you know, should be giving back by being gainfully employed if they can. Um, every situation is different. In one month, from December to January, the U6, the real, right, we'll just call it uh, the underemployment report, the U6 report, in one month went from 7 to 8%. 7 to 8% unemployment in America in one month. That's a big number. It's a massive jump. The historical average is 10%. So 8%, 7% below average, but the trend is less good news. So if labor breaks, Fed Chair Powell loses his consensus on the board, which he's had because they've all, 19 of them, have been universally fighting inflation, and they're seeing that they're winning the inflation battle. They're, they're admitting as much. So if labor starts to break, you know, we saw the weekly jobless claims came out today. It's a nice forward indicator. Someone you know, gets a job, they go back, they're not, you know, having uh, a, an unemployment claim. Um, if they lose a job, they may go make an unemployment claim. So that's a weekly un uh, uh, jobless claim. So it's still above 200,000 for new weekly jobless claims this week, this morning and Thursday. And then the continuing claims, that means people that are still, at, you know, trying to get an unemployment benefit because they have not yet found work and they are trying on the U3 number not the U6 number. They are trying to be gainfully employed. That number of continued unemployment jobless claims is 1.8 million, over 1.8 million. So it's a big number. So we're going to watch that. There's a lot of data coming out between the next Fed meeting, March 20th, uh, which now still only has like a 19% chance of a Fed rate cut. I never thought that was going to happen. 
Think about this scenario on March 20th. It's the next dot plot. Remember, every other meeting, the SCP, the Summary of Economic uh, Projections, the 19 board members put out their thoughts. On December 13th, this is a reminder, on December 13th, the Fed board, on their last dot plot, said there will be 75 basis points of rate cuts this year. So just want you guys to understand, there will be 75 basis points of rate cuts this year. Uh, that's what the Fed thinks. So so it's not like, oh, they're only going to do one this year, one of 25. They said there's going to be 75 basis. Now, that could be 325s. That could be a 50. On March 20th, they may not cut, but then say there'll be 100 basis points of cuts remaining in the year. That would, in, uh, in effect, bring mortgage interest rates down, even without a cut. And that could be a 50, a 25, and a 25. Um, I like to be contrarian. I like to be hopeful. Obviously, as a mortgage person, I think that a 25 basis point rate cut isn't really going to help the poor, people with credit card debt, or they're trying to find a used car loan, or a personal loan, or student loan debt. So to have an impact, a 50 basis point rate cut uh, would be more impactful. And more oftentimes than not, the first rate cut in that cycle, once it starts, is larger than 25 basis points. But I digress. I kind of leaning towards what Goldman Sachs has said just recently, that they'll see um, at the different, uh, uh, they'll have a May cut uh, of 25, and then June 12th, that's May 1st, and June 12th, another 25, uh, July 31st, another 25, skip September 18th, and then November 7th, the last and final of four 25 basis point rate cuts. That sounds reasonable. And Goldman Sachs is pretty smart. Okay, so ISM manufacturing, uh, it rose from 47 to 49. So manufacturing improved, but it's still in contractionary territory. Just like when inflation's at 2%, it's growing at a slower speed, but prices are still going up. People are still paying a ton of money for food and energy and in everything, gas and cars and housing and all that stuff. So um, anyway... Uh, did you know that Mexico, Mexico sent more goods to America this past year than China? That's right. Mexico broke a 20-year streak. Uh, there was $475 billion uh, worth of goods in the U.S. That's a 5% increase from 2022. China only did $427 billion. That's a 20% decrease. So Mexico, gracias, mi amigos. Let's go. Love it. Um, stock market. All right. My, my disclaimer, remember, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not responsible for your loss, only in profits. 81% of companies that reported in the S&P, okay, are beating estimates and they're beating by a median of 7%. Um, of the 18% missing, those are missing um, earnings estimates by about 4%. Stock market, all time high. It's, it's right there. Uh, let's um, talk about oil. Oh, by the way, Got great information from TransUnion. Uh, it said that serious delinquency has increased across all products. Average balances decreased, except for bank cards, and new account balances decreased for auto, but increased for unsecured personal loans. So thank you, TransUnion, for that great data. Um, okay, oil. Last thing I want to talk about. We go into the winter. It gets a little colder. People start spending money on heating oil. Um, and so this is one of those two times of the year where you start to see oil prices. The U.S., is the largest producer of oil in the world, okay? Um, fantastic. But our inventories have plummeted to a 49-year low. So that may put a floor on the pricing for oil because we got to replenish that inventory. Um, 
the number of drilled but uncompleted wells has dropped to the lowest level in more than a decade. So we're not really drilling for new production. Um, OPEC, they haven't put on any new production. So there could be an oil price spike. That could be an inflationary thing. But remember, there's core that excludes food and energy, which nobody does in real life. And there's super core. So when rates come down, when the Fed cuts, housing prices are going to go up. We all know that. So we're going to be talking about super core because they can't build more houses. So we're not drilling anything. The Fed can't build more houses. That's going to be inflationary, and there's nothing we can do about it. But serve your communities. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.